0: Look out. Alright, all you movie junkies. It is time for the SLS Cast. With your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 94 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. It's the child begging episode or begging children episode, whichever way you want to say that, episode of the SLS cast. You see, because in Dublin, as of this year, there has been a 94% drop in child begging cases. Didn't really realize that was a thing outside of third world countries, but apparently it is. And um, Dublin's been able to drop that figure by 94%.
1: Woo! Yay! I'm Matt, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is definitely a, a plus side to the start of the episode. Yeah.
0: Well, it was a little darker and weird last week, so I thought, you know, maybe good news this time. Yes.
1: I, I well, I get well. It's Scotland, not necessarily Ireland, but they're right up there. Also, the uh, Scottish independence really didn't go through. It was interesting.
0: I. It was pretty funny. I'm seeing the the big stuff that was going on with that over the last few weeks and as the election was drawing nearer and there were people like the queen and you know you know jk rowling or Rowling or however the fuck she says her name and various other people who were all against scottish independence now they weren't they were they were in no way shape or form rude about it or anything but you know very you know just kind of traditionalist view of it and all that kind of stuff And I'm looking at all these people who were against Scottish independence. And of all these people, they were like major figures, uh, actors, actresses, and stuff like that. And all but one of them was fucking British. (laughs) Like, you think maybe the people who are dependent on the taxes from Scotland (laughs) want to keep Scotland? That's, you know. Uh, Who was the one Scott? John Barrowman, actually. Oh, really? John
1: Barrowman. I, didn't, yeah. I, thought he, I honestly Jack. thought I thought he was American.
0: No, 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 no. Oh, good God, no. He's as Scottish as they come. It's hilarious. Really? If you listen to him, uh, when he goes back home to his parents' house, it's like immediately, unless you are familiar with the vernacular, you wouldn't understand a fucking word Have you saying.
1: been to John Barrowman's parents' house? Have you been to I his childhood I not, home? but there
0: was a BBC documentary thing where they were following him around and stuff when he was still doing Torchwood and everything. Yeah. And uh, when you know, because Captain Jack Harkness, I mean, you know, you gotta gotta follow him and stuff. So, um, yeah, but he goes home and talks to his parents, and, and then when I saw him at comic uh, at the Sci-Fi Expo last October, and he did a little bit of his Scottish. Are you going books. to that Expo again this year? I am not. I was just uh, money, timing, school—just no, no time to go. Yeah, and that's in yeah, not, is gonna, that, that's in Dallas, time. right? Hmm. Yeah, Safa Expos in Dallas. Okay. Would like to, but cannot. Try for—we're going to try for. Uh, I think one of the real big Comic Cons, like the like the actual Comic Con in May in Dallas, or maybe just maybe by some miracle, the real one—the home <laughs> in San Diego.
1: It'd be cool to have an SLS cast desk over there or booth it's not a desk it's a booth
0: that's right find us some booth babes and get them some you know some some sls cast t-shirts they may
1: very well be some d quality booth babes we might be able to <laughs> swindle some of the uh, the anime chicks to come over and wear Oh, you know, here here's an sls cast cast a tube top but however they might look like trailer park folk i don't know well dashing
0: our hopes for getting
1: (laughs) any kind of fan base there now. Oh, I'm kidding. Trailer Park people don't know what Comic-Con is. I mean, wait. Could that have been offensive at all?
0: I'm I'm just going to go stop.
1: I'm going to take the shovel
0: away from you and give you a hand to lift you out of the hole.
1: I'm halfway to China, man. I I should just keep going. I can smell the pootsie wee. Or Patsy You. See we. Wee. Wow. <laughs> I've been reading these demented articles, too many of them today. So I'm, I'm saying really uh, goofy things that probably come out a little bit raunchy or more disgusting than how I mean them to. I'm, I'm guessing so. All right. That is, that is definitely interesting.
0: Although, uh, I know, I think you said you had some news of the weird. So before we get into the real news of the weird, um, today being the 22nd of September... Um, I actually, like about a, about an hour and 20 minutes ago, uh, turns out uh, we decided to uh, just say nay to ISIS and bomb the living shit out of them in Syria. Uh, apparently, it was about 26 different targets, all ISIS targets in Syria. and uh, they said that um, it is going to be um, a long engagement. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out. But apparently uh, two journalists is the number that it takes. Two two American journalists. <laughs> um, and then I guess the British are probably going to be involved. And some other people from Europe apparently have been starting to kick some ass as well well
1: i do say isis i say nay i tell you i say nay once the crazy americans finish bombing you we will ride in and hit you off the head with a club
0: <laughs> just bat
1: a thousand bro <laughs> there wasn't there, I, I wasn't there wasn't that wasn't racy i mean if i said i said club now if i said uh, what's the the horse uh croquet game that they play <laughs> Did you just say croquet on a horse? It's polo? Yeah, polo. And what's the name of the stick they use? The mallet. I could say they could be riding... We're going to be riding oh in God. on horses to croquet beat those asses men in the head with our croquet... I mean, our uh, polo mallets. <laughs> and gallop away into the into the sunset oh and eat our crumpets and crepes.
0: Sorry, that's just got to be the episode title. Episode 94. <laughs> croquet on a horse. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I anyway. bet they attempt to play that in trailer parks. <laughs> that could be something we, we might need to ask uh, a Johnny. He's gonna trash. string it all together, croquet on a horse in a trailer park. <laughs> well, yeah, but see, that's the thing about trailer park games is that they sound fancier than what than how they really are. You know, it's like uh, when in the Beverly Hillbillies movie when they have their fancy eaten table and really they're eating at a uh, on a pool table, and Jethro is, you know, they're all eating their chicken wings, and they're putting the bones in the pockets. They call that their fancy oh, yeah. eating table, and yet it's, a, a you know, I mean, just everything in, in the boondocks. Sure. I
0: liked how he was using the bridge, too. He uses the bridge to pick up the pot and pass the pot across the <laughs> table. That was pretty funny as well, so... Anyhow. So
1: do you have any news of the weird for us? I surf? do. I, and you know, it was a toss up really between two. Uh the the one that I was thinking about doing, but it's going it's going to be ne- uh, old news by next week. I am not going to talk about the girl in Florida who decided to get a third breast implant. That is right. She has 3 boobs three boobs
0: so you're not talking about that you're not talking about the the woman living out the total recall dream? I am not you're because not I have
1: about? something even weirder
0: than oh, that oh my gosh. I
1: mean if I mean you can look it up it's on I found the article on dangerousminds.com and there's a picture of her and she has the <laughs> like a her I like, I don't know if she made it herself but like these bras and bikini tops and all this crap and it's just really <laughs> weird but the news of the weird that I've been wanting to uh, talk to you about Or to mention is from iflscience.com, that is, I fucking love science. And it's from their technology section, and it's an article that is entitled, Automatic Sperm Extractor Introduced in a Chinese Hospital, written by Justine Alford. (laughs) And it says this, A Chinese hospital in Nanjing, capital of Jiangsu province has introduced a new machine that makes sperm donation even easier an automatic sperm extractor i'm all for hands-free technology but have scientists gone a little too far with this invention the effortless machine features a massage pipe that can be adjusted to suit the height of the user all the gentleman has to do is plug in the frequency amplitude and temperature and off they go It's also fitted with a small screen for those feeling uninspired. According to the director of urology department of the hospital, the machine is designed to help individuals that are finding it difficult to retrieve sperm the old-fashioned way. We're not entirely convinced that standing in a room shared by many other people and being milked like a cow is going to help, but their efforts are commendable. Here's to technology, and they even have a video. Check out a video of the machine down below, so you can check it out on that website. I, I gotta say, I just wonder like, are you? I mean, is this thing in a separate room, or is it like next to the photocopier? I just want to know
0: if it looks like the cow milking machine. Does it look like? Does it have like? Could could more than one person use it at a time so that there's like multiple wands or you know? I mean, is it like? It's literally just, like, a machine jacking them off, right? I mean, you know, you put your... Am I understanding that right?
1: Here, let me make this easier for you. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty goddamn ridiculous. Uh, It it looks like a fancy weight measuring or weight machine thing that you'd see at, like, a carnival. But a very clean one, and it looks like there's more plastic to it than it being metal... I mean, I just I would worry about kids walking up and, like, sticking their finger in it, you know? Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, see, I
0: don't know that that would necessarily work. Does it... Oh, I guess those are the knobs up there so you can kind of adjust tension and speed. Is that the idea? I guess so, yeah. Like, oh, it's feeling good. Oh, 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 oh. I mean,
1: okay. So people are more comfortable doing that than they are being alone in a room... With like nudie magazines or whatever, they would rather put their unit into another unit that multiple uh, (laughs) hundreds upon hundreds of other units have entered. You know,
0: I'm pretty sure this is really not for the hospital, it's more for the home market, I think. Um, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Yummy.
1: So all i can say about that that's lip smacking weird right there folks lip smacking weird all right. i can just picture miranda right now just like quivering in her, <laughs> in, her in her chair like, oh god you thought placenta was wrong just <laughs> wait till you hear this folks <laughs> Ah. Uh, I'm
0: sorry, Miranda. Ooh, I am for real. All right. Shall we uh shall we get to the real stuff? Uh,
1: then? <laughs> we we probably should, yeah. I'm afraid of what could happen next, what could be said. Indeed, indeed.
0: All right, here we go, folks. It is the news. Hey! The news, the news, the news, the news, the news. All right, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first?
1: Oh, you can go first.
0: Okie dokie dokie. All right, first up for me from (laughs) digitalwhack.com. Whoa. I didn't say wank. I said
1: whack. But it's still, you know, it's the same thing. (laughs) It's a, you know, it's like a, it's a sub
0: thing for the term. Um, sure, sure, yeah. Especially coming off of the whole article itself all right anthony daniels talks (laughs) new c3po i yeah i knew you were gonna go there anthony daniels talks (laughs) new c3po costume in star wars 7 if you were wondering whether the new c3po will be cgi or if anthony daniels is crawling back into that metallic suit on set the man himself has provided the answer he will be playing the iconic robot once again this time for director jj abrams in star wars episode 7 When J.J. Abrams called the actor to return for the movie, it was originally for a voice role only. Anthony Daniels explains how that transpired into what he is currently doing. um, And also describing the new C-3PO suit along the way. And why it's important that C-3PO never be CGI again in a movie. Quote, I will tell you, that when J.J. Abrams rang me to ask about filming Star Wars Episode Seven, one of the first things he said after he told me how wonderful I was, and that didn't take long. But then he said, Would you be interested in being in the film just doing the voice? I said, no, and he said, right! He knew I'd say that. There's no way I would just do the voice. I also said that it can't be the same suit. I will tell you that the team then got together and built a new suit. They made an entirely new look-alike with changes that you will never notice that made my life a lot easier. I can get it on and off very quickly. During the prequels, the only time 3PO has been CG was when it was very dangerous to act in the scene in a suit, and it wasn't very good. In fact, I'm going to say it was awful. One of the difficulties is with a character that you know and love so well is that, as a member of the audience, you go, Oh, no, that's not right. No, he doesn't move like that. With me in the suit, he's always going to move the same way and have the same reactions, timing, and so on. With CG, you're working with some brilliant person on the keyboard who is trying to pretend to be me. The only time that it's worked out, without a doubt, is Disney's Star Tours The Adventures Continue. There's an element in the pre-show which is digital, and I cannot tell it's not me. It's brilliantly done by Disney. End quotes. So basically, he is, just like everybody else, dogging all the CGI <laughs> from the prequels <laughs> and uh, saying that he got a new suit built and that it's much nicer for him to be able to move around and do all those wonderful things. And I don't know. I mean, do you have anyth- I mean it's a pretty simple story. He seems to be very excited about it. And, um, yeah, not much really to add to that, just thought it was kind of cool that he was actually, after all this time, getting that much input, creative and or otherwise, to his, to his role, I guess you could say.
1: It's very reassuring.
0: Again, yeah, I mean, honestly, every single little thing, even the simple stuff like this, you know, where he says, it helps me... But you'll never notice that there's a difference in the suit. It's all those kinds of things that, you know, it it seems like this is really going... Again, just another another sign that this is really going to go well. So, yay. All right, what do you got, sir?
1: I just want to mention real quick that the article that they're referencing, the interview that Anthony Daniels was a part of, is from Entertainment Weekly. And it's actually a really good article... You didn't mention this in, in, in what you said, but I just wanted to go ahead and mention it real quick, that you should definitely check it out. It's from Entertainment Weekly, and it's an article uh, entitled Anthony Daniels' Deep Dive Star Wars Interview: C-3PO's Past, Present, and Future. You, Yeah, you got to check it out. It's very interesting stuff there. All right, so I have some upcoming tech news. Tech news, which involves the ever-changing... Hollywood filmmaking machine, you know, how we make movies, you know, technology is advancing. And these things that I'm about to tell you about is going to advance the theater going experience drastically for the good, for the bad, or for the worse. I don't know. First up here, we talked about the Oculus Shaft, or the Oculus Rift. In the episode, we called it the Oculus Shaft, because It kind of goes along with the uh, masturbatory Chinese machine, hospital machine from earlier on. But uh, the Oculus Rift is the CEO, Brennan Arrive, is wanting the Oculus Rift to become a cinematic experience or become a part of the cinematic experience. From the HollywoodReporter.com, an article entitled "Filmmakers Look to Virtual Reality in Oculus as the Future of Storytelling." This is written by Brian Bishop, and it says this: Oculus CEO Brendan Eich announced the company's latest prototype headset, nicknamed Crescent Bay, during the conference's keynote presentation. The latest hardware. Iteration, in the company's march towards a shipping consumer product, the virtual reality goggles are lighter than previous versions, feature integrated headphones, and include full 360-degree head tracking, all in the name of letting users enter virtual worlds that feel more real than anything that's come before. Arribe said that the company sees two different types of virtual reality in the immediate future. A PC-based version that uses goggles like the Rift for better quality, tracking, and more complete sense of immersion, and mobile VR. The latter is something Oculus has already been demoing. And the recently announced Samsung Gear VR goggles, which use the Samsung Note 4 smartphone, instead of an integrated display with no outside computer required. The Gear VR will be shipping later this year with an array of available games and apps, or experiences, air quotes are going on there, as Oculus calls them, that will let users dip their toes into the world of virtual reality. Despite the progress demonstrated by the new Crescent Bay prototype, however, the company has yet to announce pricing or a release date. What's going to make that work, of course, is content. There won't be much incentive to buy a virtual reality headset if there's nothing to play or watch with it. To that end, Oculus showed off a number of new demos with the Crescent Bay prototype, filling out an extensive list of virtual experiences that have included everything from the movie theater simulator, Oculus Cinema, to the space dogfights game EVE Valkyrie. During an afternoon panel, however, it was clear that many artists see filmmaking as a piece where the technology will be truly transformative. I think the next step for us as a filmmaker is to figure out what narrative filmmaking looks like in virtual reality. Said music video director Chris Milk, who created a virtual reality concert experience with Beck that showed at Sundance earlier this year. Up to this point, he said, the focus has been on documentary style work, putting viewers into an experience rather than creating a fully realized narrative. Now is the time to figure out how to tell human stories. And that involves questioning fundamental concepts that may be taken for granted when it comes to uses like gaming. The profound thing about virtual reality is the immersion of it, Milk said, and how interactive it has been immediately is up for debate. You're just not telling a story, said Paul Raphael, the co-founder of Felix and Paul studio. You're making a viewer experience a story. In a traditional film, for example, viewers have the standard frame to look at. In a VR project, they can look anywhere in a 360-degree environment. In one sense, that means filmmakers lose the power that framing a shot provides. But Raphael emphasized it also opens up a new dramatic opportunities. Playing with the tension between points of interest is something that you can play with that you couldn't before, he said. For Milk, it's a case of exploring a totally new narrative art form. I don't think this is cinema, he said. I think this is something completely new. In a second panel dedicated to filmmaking, Maleficent director Robert Stromberg, visual effects artist and Lucasfilm new media creative director John Gaeta and director Shakata Unseld spoke about their experiences with virtual reality. Lucasfilm is looking at a virtual reality as a potential opportunity for the Star Wars franchise. Oh, great. Gaeta said, as he created a virtual reality sandbox populated with different locations and story interface. He said, explaining that, with 10 years of Star Wars films in the company's future, they're looking at the movies as a portal that can bring fans into other experiences that they could interact with you. End all quotes for that one. Oculus shaft technology kidding Oculus rift technology uh next one here uh, pertains to douglas trumbull's high frame rate 4k 3d system again from the hollywoodreporter.com douglas trumbull is developing a system for 4k 3d which can show at 120 frames per second that is insane Insane. And it says, uh, in this article, says that Trumbull's patented process, dubbed MAGI, or MAGI, for capturing and displaying images at 120 frames per second in 4K and 3D on giant screens using conventional digital projectors. MAGI is a technique that involves shooting 4K 3D, shooting 60 frames per second with alternate shutter speeds. This alignment means that when played through a standard, 3D theatrical projector, the picture is delivered in sync with the system's alternating left eye, right eye cadence. It delivers extreme fluidity of motion and amazing clarity with no strobing, no double flickering, and a viewing experience that far exceeds conventional movie quality. He also got a laugh from the audience when he joked that if Maggi is accepted, Michael Bay is going to make an even worse transformers movie because there won't be any motion blur during his ibc keynote trumbull said that he is starting to sense interest from studios and exhibitors trumbull admitted that he embarked on creating magi on his own because he never found support from studios to change the medium because they didn't want to upset the apple cart i personally don't feel we should limit the impact of what we can do as a filmmaker just to milk the market and that was, that was Trumbull who said that. But he sees things changing, noting that digital cinema companies, Christie and Dolby, are also working on improving cinema and are talking to stakeholders. He said that studios have been eager to embrace new types of premium projection because of the fall-off in this year's box office. I think there will be some sell-through. He also believes that if Magic becomes a destination attraction, films can actually last much longer in a theatrical run i love to see that happen, he says. In the days of 2001 A Space Odyssey, movies ran one or two years. And then lastly here, Trumbull added that he sees Magi as a niche market in a convention movie, i.e. a love story. is a beautiful thing. We shouldn't mess with it, he says. What we are talking about is a different art form. End all quotes. And uh, both of the articles that I uh, was reading from have a lot more to it. I was just kind of paraphrasing down as much as i can to hit all the key points all
0: right well then i'm gonna do two back-to-backs because they're both uh sequels slash spinoffs so since they're tied together first one up from smh.com.au which would be the sydney morning herald from the entertainment section courtesy of sarah thomas zoolander 2 set to return with will ferrell confirming a role. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, great news for Zoolander fans! Will Ferrell has confirmed he will reprise his role as the villainous fashion designer and piano-key necktie inventor Mugatu in a sequel to the 2001 comedy. Plans for another outing for the Ben Stiller-helmed comedy about the dim-witted, really, really ridiculously good-looking model Derek Zoolander have been mooted for years, but it looks like it could be finally happening. Farrell told JoeBlow.com work was being done. Quote, we are actually supposed to do a read-through of the script soon. I apologize, I misread that. Quote, we are actually supposed to do a read-through of a sequel script soon, and Mugatu is a part of it. End quote. Uh, this follows news that actor-writer-director Justin Thoreau, who appeared in the original, said last month progress was being made in bringing Zoolander back to the big screen. Wee. So, yay, good news there. I'm very happy. Uh, I am definitely one of the Zoolander fans. It is my uh, DVD collection. It's not part of the Blu ray collection yet, but I assume eventually it will be. And my other piece here regarding this wonderful stuff from HollywoodReporter.com, courtesy of Pamela McClintock. X-Men spinoff Deadpool gets winter 2016 release. And, in bonus news, at the same time, Fox takes Assassin's Creed off the 2015 calendar while shifting the Fantastic Four and Paper Towns. Yes, as it turns out on Thursday, the studio announced, this was last Thursday by the way, uh, the studio announced that the movie will hit theaters February 12th, 2016. Tim Miller is set to direct the film with Ryan Reynolds, long rumored to star. Although no deal is set. Bets are that he will. Um, so yeah, looks like we've got one big movie coming up, finally, that people have been clamoring for for many, many moons now. And... We've also got some ships going on. What what do you think here, Tim? Any comments on Zoolander sequel or Deadpool finally getting on the on the list or perhaps Assassin's Creed being moved moved around and all that kind of stuff?
1: Really the one comment that I have pertains to Zoolander 2 and I just hope I really hope that it's not too late.
0: I think for this particular movie I don't think it will be because they've they left the ending with him already moving on and technically speaking not even being a fashion model per se anymore so it could be a lot of fun to see just how far down the rabbit hole in Jerry Stiller's footsteps he's gone by the time we get to this movie and even just going that aspect of it gives you tons of fun that you can have with it um, also seeing just exactly how Mugatu's is going to strike back. Um, there's just, there's a lot of fun that can be had with this. I, I don't think it's too late. If anything, I really think that it's one of those that's going to be okay because it's enough on the radar culturally that people still get references to it. Uh, there's definitely a cult following, but it's not something that's so big people clamor for it all the time and it just builds up so moment- so much momentum that it could never live up to the hype. Um, and then again, you've got fun stuff here with Ben Stiller and Will Ferrell and um, oh good lord, uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, thank you, Owen Wilson. <laughs> Billy, Billy Zane. Yeah, hey, you could even bring Billy Zane back. Sure.
1: Yeah, no. I kind of wonder if they're waiting for Dumber, D- Dumb and Dumber Two, and seeing how, and waiting to see how that performs before a studio makes a definitive or takes a definitive stance to back the movie or not.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a pretty fair statement
1: okay so i'm gonna leave the tech the rest of the tech news behind other than just mentioning uh this other one if you want to read about it you can this was a piece of news that came out a f- couple weeks ago and it's about a hybrid 3d trifocal camera to where it's three cameras pretty much on this rig two small cameras and your regular camera it's the Arri Alexa camera and then the two small cameras which capture uh, the depth information and the big camera is obviously the 2D camera and it's so that filmmakers can focus more on shooting things in 2D without having to sit there and meticulously figure out how they want a shot to look at with 3D glasses on with this setup then they can go back in the editing room and decide what they want to do then because the two small cameras are picking up the depth from all sides of the spectrum, so you can do practically anything by shooting this way. Uh, I don't know how expensive it would be, but it is definitely very interesting. So definitely check it out. I got this from thehollywoodreporter.com. Could a hybrid 3D trifocal camera be on the way to Hollywood? And it was written by Carolyn Giardina. But I want to move on to something that could uh, could plague those of you who do not have a working VPN network. Uh and especially those of you who pirate movies. And for those 2.5 million of you who pirated Expendables 3. This is from oh god, the Hollywoodporter.com again. I was trying to space these out so I didn't have all HollywoodReporter.com articles this week, but uh I felt this one was important. Expendables3 torrent downloaders now being targeted for copyright infringement. That is right. Ira Siegel, an attorney who represents copyright holders and attacks against torrent users, confirms to Hollywood Reporter that he is representing Millennium Films and has been sending out demand letters. CEG Tech, an anti-piracy shop, confirms the same. The letters, which have reported on some message boards, state... Quote, you may be held liable for monetary damages, including court costs and or attorney fees if a lawsuit is commenced against you for unauthorized copying and or distribution of the work listed above. You have until Sunday, October 5th, 2014, to access the settlement offer and settle online. End quote. Typically, such offers relayed by ISP's Anticipate John Doe lawsuits where the plaintiff's attempts to compel identifying information. More settlement demands then go out. And in some instances, lawsuits against both individuals commence. Settlements can range from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars, depending on how far the litigation goes. In some instances, judges have rejected lawsuits for not sufficiently pleading proper jurisdiction, among other faults. The attacks on individual pirates comes after Lionsgate launched its own lawsuit against operations, against operators behind limetorrents.com, billionuploads.com, Hufile.eu, played to or played swantshare.com, and dotsemper.com, I haven't heard of most of these, Lionsgate was then able to obtain a restraining order and injunction after telling the judge Expendables 3 had been downloaded 2.1 million times and threatened box office performance. Now, Expendables 3 had made $190 million at the box office, with the bulk of the money coming from overseas. Now, that compares to $300 million worldwide for Expendables 2 and $275 million for the first expendables so uh yeah so this is pretty interesting do you have any comments about that matt okay i i
0: missed the part i didn't quite make out the part where they figured out who to send this information who to send who to send these settlement proposals to how how does one know that they are being targeted for this settlement? settlement well, I,
1: I I think with like these websites that I mentioned, LimeTorrents, billing uploads, yada 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 yada. I think when they give them, they say, "Hey, we can come in and look at all the ISPs who have accessed this torrent through your site." And I think that's the I think that's the case. That's how they're going to find all the people that have downloaded that movie in particular. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that's what I, I mean. It doesn't say it in here, but I, I'm pretty sure that's how it's gonna how it's gonna happen because all a lot of these websites store, believe it or not, store your information. Your <laughs> ISP address is stored on these sure, sites yeah. Yeah, until a week is, or it, Absolutely,
0: once. that's right. They 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 do. Log that stuff. But I would say good luck. Um, definitely I've got no problem with someone trying to protect their intellectual property and trying to protect copyright and in a rather inventive way go after the people who have wronged you. On the flip side of that, there's so many ways to prove that it wasn't you. Uh, and the burden of proof is on them to prove that it was you. That I don't know how successful this is going to be. It might just be kind of one of those testing the water, testing the waters kind of things. But um, yeah, weird. Um, but hey, I, I hope that there is some kind of follow up to this because I would like to see if this attempt was successful. And may, who knows? Maybe there are people out there who feel bad and go, "I I just wasn't sure if I wanted to spend the nine dollars. I'm sorry. Here's two hundred dollars." So.
1: I you know, know I, I think that, cool. that would have been the case if, if, if it was a quality movie.
0: <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah. At any rate. Cool. Well, let's see here. My last piece of news is a real quick one. comes to us from flickeringmyth.com, courtesy of Luke Owen. John Travolta defends the much maligned Battlefield Earth. It has been labeled as one of the worst movies ever made and has been made fun of by everyone under the sun, including How Did This Get Made and Nostalgia Critic. But that hasn't stopped its star, John Travolta, defending Battlefield Earth. In an interview with The Daily Beast, when asked if Travolta regretted the movie, he answered, quote, No way, are you kidding? Why would I ever regret that? I had the power to do whatever I wanted, and I chose to ruin the lives of everyone... I'm sorry, no, that's not right that hang on quote no way are you kidding why would i ever regret that i had the power to do whatever i wanted and i chose to do a book that i thought was worthy of making into a movie it's a beautiful film it's a good movie end quote Uh, he goes on to to say quote it was a moment where i could say i had all the power in the world and could do whatever i wanted not a lot of people get that opportunity, and I did what I wanted to do. End all quotes. Now the article itself ends with this, with these two questions, and I must ask them as well. Do you agree with Travolta? Is Battlefield Earth a misunderstood movie? Because he does reference that people were confusing it with Scientology and stuff. So. Uh, I don't know why they would do that.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, that happens a lot. I mean, you have some of the cocky guys from Reddit or whatever, or or Cinemablend or whatever source where people can easily be cocky about a movie or be an asshole about a movie and easily make fun of a movie and people read it and don't realize they're reading something by an arrogant asshole and they start repeating the same thing as the arrogant asshole and telling everybody, you know, the same words that's coming from the arrogant asshole and that's how people I think be, you know re- get a, you know, misconceived view of a movie or any aspect of entertain or actually any aspect of anything, really, I mean especially with politics also. Uh, but I I got to say I think you know I there are some people that do like Battlefield Earth, but I the I watched it God, I was in college the last time I watched it, so it might have been eight years ago was the last time I watched it, and I gotta say, I still watch it with an open mind, and I still didn't enjoy it. I mean, I did, I didn't care for it too much.
0: Um, and I'm in the same boat. I was not aware of the whole Scientology connection and everything. I think I caught it on HBO. I can't even tell you when it—nearly it, ten years ago, if not longer—and. I, I had one and I'd heard so many bad things about it. I'd heard all these different crap. And and so I just like you, I sit down and want to see what the, what all the hubbub's about. And I like Barry pepper. So why not? I'll, I'll watch him here. Um, I think I kind of lost it when they're flying the helicopter of whatever helicopter, the, the aircraft thing. And they're trying to match it up to the map and you know, where are all the lines at? I don't know. Maybe they faded out over time. <laughs> because they were looking for the lines that defined the states on the map and um <laughs> yeah I kind of <laughs> lost it there I mean I understood the point of the dialogue because these are people who don't have that kind of common sense and they have no idea but still there had to be a better way to to make that connection without you know that's almost as good as Jeff Foxworthy when he talks about his wife you know, my wife is one of the most intelligent women I have ever met, but you hand her a map and it's like kryptonite to Superman. Let's take the blue road and turn down. So, yeah, it was about as good as that.
1: It, and, I, you know, I liked Phenomenon. I mean, of what I remember of it, watching it. Yeah, and, and the article did
0: briefly touch on it because of the whole Scientology thing, but... Um, he, he said, he actually said that, uh, phenomenon was really more about an allegory for Jesus Christ than it was for, uh, Scientology, but, um, that's, I guess, for another time. Um, I did like that movie though. I thought it was just, you know, just a simple movie and uh, I don't know. Weird. It was weird. Anyway.
1: So that's my news. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done with mine. I think we have surpassed the news.
0: Yes, I believe. Yeah, we're definitely running about five minutes over. So, all right. Well, we can pick it up right here because right now we've got copycat throwdown. It's it's, 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 the, it's the the copy copycat copy cat, cat, cat throwdown. throwdown throwdown. That's right. It's the copycat throwdown. Well, that's, that's right. right. It's, it's the copycat, copycat throwdown. throwdown. Stop it. Stop, stop it. it. No, no, seriously. Stop it. Oh, right. Like, stop repeating? Stop repeating. Right. Oh, uh,
1: okay. I'm going to kick gonna your kick ass. ass. Throw down time.
0: Again, this week's episode is Super versus Defendor. All right, so these, these two movies are both... Within a year of each other, roughly, um, well, year year and a half, mainly? Yeah, close enough, whatever. Um, they are both guys who have lost their wives in some form or fashion and decide to uh, create or enact a superhero persona in order to exact their vigilante justice in the name of their... Love, loved one taken away from them. They are similar in the setups. They have very similar, they're not exactly the same, but they're very similar in their setups of how, uh, there's a troubled person, um, mentally troubled person, and they lose their loved ones in different ways. Um, one is through death, one is through drugs so to speak because it's all drug related really um and and it's then how they react to these situations to make up for that loss now uh they're both particularly violent one uh, i personally felt super was more so uh than defendor but um they are both to me equally good um I, i one takes a decidedly lighter turn by the finale. And and even though it takes a lighter turn, it's still a very melancholy ending. That would be super. Defender is just... It takes a very, very dark ending... And depending on how you want to look at it, somewhat uplifting by the end. Um, but both came to just about a re- as reasonable of a, of a conclusion as you could have asked them to. Defender stars, uh, Woody Harrelson and superstars, uh, Rain Wilson, Ellen Page, and Liv Tyler, Kevin Bacon, uh, Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, uh, there were a lot uh, a lot higher profile stars in Super versus Defendor. Uh, Defendor overall is the higher rated film on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with a 63 versus Super's 49? or is it 69 and 43? Uh, 67% for Defendor. It's um, so a 49 for Super. But for me, these are actually very, very equal films overall. And what really sets my decision apart is the relatability... God, that's, I'm not even sure that's the right word. I'm going to stick with it, though. The relatability... That I had with uh, Rain Wilson's set, up, with, with the way Rain Wilson's character thought. Now I don't agree with carrying it out, but that fantasy that you have in your head of taking a lead pipe and beating the living fuck out of somebody who just really, really deserves it is right there, and, uh, and, and. While I could definitely understand where Woody Harrelson was taking the character in Defendor, uh, and, and the two, of the two characters, I've got to say that overall, I thought Woody Harrelson did the better job, but it's just the motivations behind the characters and the way that they played out on the screen. I enjoyed Rain Wilson's performance more. I, I know it's, I'm trying not to be contradictory about it, but, <laughs> um, there's just no better way to put it. These are both fantastic movies, and for me, edging it out is super, based on the daydreaming aspects that I think we've all had of being able to take that vigilante justice. Um, the darker tones in Defendor are really good, really heartfelt, and thoroughly carried Pretty much by Woody Harrelson because that's how the movie is, uh, written. And that's fine. But once again, just that relatability for me. Um, so I we're, we're, we're talking like 5149 in favor of Super. For me, these are both great movies. I would recommend them both. Liked them both. And just for me, Super was just a little bit better overall. Um, and there you go. So that's my pick for the copycat throwdown. Super. Barely winning out over Defendor.
1: Alrighty, so I saw Super back whenever it first came out. Same thing with Defender. And I decided to go back and rewatch the two movies because I knew that I did not like Super whatsoever. In fact, I was pretty close to hating the movie. And I thought Defender was not, not like a perfect movie, but it was really good. But I wanted to go back, rewatch it, and give uh, them both a second chance, a fair chance. And I will say that I do enjoy Super a lot more than the first time that I watched it. However, to me, it's still a 2.5 out of 5 star movie. It, it felt like it was trying too hard. It felt like there, were, there was just so much... They're, they're trying to go for so many different elements that didn't mesh... At all. Like, it it didn't flow smoothly. And that's okay if movies, you know, if if they have some elements that don't go together completely. I mean, that's why you have uh, very unique movies. Uh, I mean, I went and saw Tusk this last weekend. And don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. But there's a whole lot of different elements to the movie. And though I will save what I think about the movie for later on, a lot of people really liked... That movie because of that. It made for it a different and more unique movie-going experience. Though other people will say that it was it was a bad idea. But this is what I got with Super. You have it trying to be a kind of goofy... Funny, light-hearted, goofy funny. And they're trying to make something about this likable guy who wants to take vigilante justice into his own hands and tell crime to shut up, which that kind of gets old after a while. Shut up, crime, blah, 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 crime, blah, 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 crime. And all, All this stuff. But as the movie moves along, and it moves along quite briskly than Defender does... Like, a lot of random stuff happens. And that's cool, and that's what kind of makes the movie easy to watch, despite the violence. But again, there's just way too many elements going on. I mean, it's hard for me to feel for a character, or like Renan Wilson's character, and find him funny when really he has a horrible mental illness. And they don't really touch on that at all i mean there is i mean the movie is dark but it's more demented than anything else and it really doesn't treat the film doesn't treat itself like that Uh, the director james gunn who guess what made guardians of the galaxy that was his follow-up movie after super guardians of the galaxy how did he get the job working for disney after this movie beats the hell out of me but though i guess i mean it's a good thing that he did but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but Super is ultra violent and it does an injustice to all the other elements of the movie. Again, wanting the audience as an audience member, you want to root for this guy. He's trying to save his wife. He's trying to find his wife and save his wife from Kevin Bacon, who Kevin Bacon gives plays a great villain. I mean, we've seen him play villains in a lot of movies and he does really well in this one, though it's uh, definitely a smaller, smaller part. And the movie is very outlandish. The movie exercises the use of the comic book wham, bam. You know, the crazy comic book font whenever he beats somebody in in the face with a wrench. Bam. And it's not consistent when it happens. It just randomly pops up. And it's like, what the hell are you trying to go for? You're not trying to be like a comic book. You're not trying to be like a comic book movie. Then again, you're not really making fun of a comic movie, a comic book movie. You're not really a satire per se. I mean, I can see where it's kind of paralleling the idea of a regular guy wanting to become a superhero to rid the world of uh, of of these wrongdoers that the police just can't arrest for one reason or another. You know, but at the same time, you know, a guy annoys him in line, and he beats the shit out of a guy with a wrench, that guy with a wrench, as well as his wife. And the movie just carries on. That's never really addressed. There aren't ever any real repercussions for that character. And yes, the movie builds up and it hits a point. Uh, something happens with Ellen Page's character, Bolte, which that, she, that is something else that I can go off about that just doesn't make sense to me. Where the movie does take... This sharp right turn, where it becomes poignant, where it becomes interesting, and the ending of the movie is is really good. And it and it annoys it annoys it annoys the shit out of me so much, because it ended on such a good note, a great. I mean, it was very nice. It's very sweet, but it just didn't feel like the rest of the movie belonged with that movie. It didn't belong, it, it just didn't, it just didn't make any sense. It also doesn't help that Raymond Wilson was portraying a, a mental illness version of Dwight Trout, but I guess that's another thing. Now, uh, Defender. Okay, uh, real quick, I like this one significantly more. Uh, this is maybe not quite a four-star movie, but definitely like a 375 Uh, Really good performances. i got to talk about Woody Harrelson. Everything he's in, he's actually really, really good in. He gives uh, his portrayal of Defender. I can't think of the guy's, the the character's name that he plays, who is then portraying Defender. He plays the character low-key. You know, it's a low-key, rooted character. You know, he's a sad guy. But he wants to do everything in his power to do good and what they also touch on in the movie is mental illness that well maybe not mental illness but like he has a problem he so, he has some kind of Uh, I don't know if it's... don't know exactly. But, you know, he definitely has some issues. And that's what makes you want to root for the character. Because he actually wants to do some good. And you know what? He's doing it for the best of humankind. And that's what I appreciate. That's what I wanted to see from Rainan Wilson's character. I wanted to see a good guy doing the things that the police cannot do in the name of humanity. And to me... That's what Defender represents. More human. You know, it's definitely more humane, I guess, maybe, if that makes sense at all. And I liked it. I also love the look of Defender. uh, The movie as a whole, the cinematography of it, when you watch it, you definitely get that Tim Burton-y, comic book batman feel to it though it doesn't go balls deep into comic book filmmaking it just has these great dark little touches to it you know how the rain falls or the snow falls it it's just kind of it's very beautiful to look at yes the movie was made on a tight budget i'm not too sure exactly how much the budget was but it was well made and it's a beautiful movie to look at again also i felt that defender did have more of a distinct message kind of piggybacks along with what I mentioned just a little while ago about the movie to me uh, is more rooted in humanity than super and again I really appreciate that and I can probably ramble on about this for another 10 minutes or however long I've been rambling already but uh, for this copycat throwdown I am going to have to land on Defender for it being better than super.
0: All right, so that's going to conclude Copycat Throwdown Super versus Defendor. Uh I chose Super. Uh edged out basically uh, in my opinion over Defendor and Defendor solidly trounces Super in Tim's opinion. So, what uh what is your opinion? Send a tweet. Tweet us at the SLS cast, or tweet me directly, at twit 12345 So let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and uh we will let other people know. We'll let, you know, our special listener know, since we can't technically say our listener anymore. Now one of you is our special listener.
1: So take that. We have at least sixteen people listening to the show, so Ooh,
0: look out—a whole sixteen! All right, so that's gonna li- that's gonna bring us to the movie. All right, so the movies this week are. Oh, you know what I totally forgot to do? And even though we're in the movies, we're, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, next week for our bonus segment. <laughs> uh, next week our bonus segment is going to be three squared. And our three squared for next week is going to be uh, on-screen couples with the worst chemistry. Or no chemistry. Or whatever you want to consider that as. So, uh, yeah. There you go. think um, the easy one, you know, Anakin and Padme in the prequels there, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman.
1: So are we uh, gonna stick with uh, male female companions? What?
0: You already know my picks. I'm already done. So <laughs> how are we going to stick to you know that? Although your particular one well, well, I was absolutely just I was hilarious kidding. and should be an honorable mention. Isn't
1: technically (laughs) right for that. (laughs) But the good thing is that with this, if we say male-female, then we can always have, you know, same sex.
0: No, no, no. Come on. We're in the 21st century. So we're in the 21st century. Just mix it up. Do what?
1: Oh, your your picks are male-female, right? No, not all of them. Oh, never mind.
0: See? Yeah. Glad you were reading those emails so closely. See, it's proof that we do actually have pre show stuff. I mean, you know, this was like earlier today. Emails, even. So, anyways, all right, so back to the subject at hand <laughs> the movies. <laughs> uh, the movies we're doing this week are The Drop, Filth, and Startup. Uh, where would you like to start first, sir? How about Filth? Oh, my goodness, Filth.
1: Okay. Yeah, you had me going earlier, by the way. <laughs> for like a split second, until I saw the the text message right after.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. I purposely waited a few minutes too. I did. I was hoping you you'd have time for your brain to melt. All right, now this is a movie. Uh, it's a 2013 Scottish crime uh, dramedy, and uh, it was uh, written and directed by. John S. Barrett I take the, I'm sorry screenplay John S. Barrett it's based on a novel called Filth by Irvin Welsh now it is I saw the trailer for this early last year and told Tim immediately oh my god we have to watch this movie and it's just just now it got to Netflix finally so we were finally able to put it in the queue and uh, Tim thankfully reminded me of it and threw it on the list for us so that's how it got here and so I we were texting back and forth and uh i had told him i just finished filth because i had finished it earlier this afternoon and i just you know i sent him just finished filth you know wow 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 and he's like all good i hope and and i said uh oh, it was a fucking waste of time i can't believe i ever wanted to watch it <laughs> and then i made sure to wait and it didn't work oh, i was disappointed I said, did your brain explode? (laughs) Um, No, this movie is absolutely fantastic. It follows uh, the exploits and sometimes sexploits of a gentleman by the name of Bruce Robertson, a detective sergeant in Edinburgh who is literally one of the worst human beings ever to live on the face of the planet. And he is constantly scheming trying to manipulate he's trying to get earn his way back into a promotion so that he can be back with his uh, or be with his fabulous wife. And yet as the movie goes on he, he initially has to solve a murder in order to secure this promotion and he knows that he can he knows that he can do it. You see just exactly how unhinged. This man's reality really is as it moves further and further and further away from what you see at the beginning. And it's interspersed with absolute hilarity, uh, and then in equal parts shock and awe, and I don't necessarily mean shock and awe in a good way, by any stretch of the imagination, and yet just also slight little sprinkles of humanity. It's like the last dregs and shreds of the humanity that this man has just poking through begging to come out um, until everything reaches its inevitable conclusion um, as a bonus note uh, one of the things that he likes to do is to torture a, a lodge mate of his he's, in, he's a mason and now masons in Europe are not like masons here in the states even though they are part of the same Uh, fraternal order overall, and you would have uh, visitation rights. If you're a Mason here in the States, you could go into a Mason Lodge in Europe, Uh, vice versa as well. Um, But it's pretty, it's very, very upper crust there, where here it's kind of middle class kind of thing. And so you would see this and not realize it unless you knew what you were looking for. Um, One of his lodge buddies uh, is... Uh, He's basically Bruce, played by amazingly by James McAvoy. He is prank-calling his wife, Bruce is prank-calling his mate's wife, and being a complete pervert. And it's just one of the things that he likes to do, uh, to, um, you know, get his rocks off, literally. And... He does it while he likes to watch Frank Sidebottom, and I like that little connection there because we watched the movie Frank, which was somewhat based on Frank
1: Sidebottom, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh,
0: just real quick, what did you think of that little connection there, Tim? Was that pretty cool?
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was really neat. Yeah, I was awesome. thinking about that the whole time. Like, oh man, just wait till we t- get on the show. I'm sure we're going to talk about that for a second. And guess <laughs> what? We are. Yay!
0: So, anyways, all right, cool. So, um, and and again, excellent acting. It's just an amazing story. Um, it to it, it's kind of like if you took Train Spotting, which also also Scottish, by the way. Uh, Snake Eyes, the Nicolas Cage film from the 90s. Bad Lieutenant. Also, the, we'll go with the Nicolas Cage one. That's easy. And with a smattering of boogie nights in there. Especially when it comes to the... Uh, <clears throat> erectile dysfunction. Yeah, you heard me right. It's literally like a conglomeration of those movies. And... Yet, still has a soul of its own. The writing is amazing. The editing is awesome. Great, great, great cinematography. I think Matthew Jensen, who was the cinematographer for this movie, um, could literally just... He doesn't even need business cards. He could just hand this movie out and... Pretty much get whatever work he wants. I, I would, I, in my humble opinion, it's just a fantastic movie. The only downside, and I was really wrestling with this because I told Tim that I was really between a four and a half and a five stars on this movie. The only downside to this movie, and it, it is literally a pet peeve of mine, is. As the characters become more and more unhinged, and primarily Bruce's character again played brilliantly by James McAvoy, they there's a lot of spittle that gets involved with the yelling and the screaming and some of the sobbing and the crying and whatnot. And it's done to as an affectation of the anger and the rage and the split that's happening. That you see, especially as all of the questions get answered going forward. And you get to the denouement of the film. And it's just a little much. And it does wear on you by the last 10-12 minutes of the film. Where it's kind of at a crescendo even though the film itself is at its denouement the spittle is still all over the place um so i'm gonna i'm it's enough for me that it was really at that point detracting it was kind of breaking me breaking my concentration from the film and i think that that wasn't I believe that that was definitely a direction, and I think that that was something that was put in, that, that there was thought put into that. So, I, I, even though it's a pet peeve for me, I do think that that was a conscious decision, and I'm pulling that half star because it really changed the tone, and I don't think they needed to go that hard in that direction with it. So, four and a half stars. Holy crap, great movie. Really, really liked it. There you go, Tim. What what, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with most uh, most of what you just said. Uh, the movie, to me, started off awfully confusing. Like, I don't know if it was the language barrier, or I didn't have the sound up, the volume loud enough for me to completely understand what the hell was going on. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the Scottish uh, accent, but, or the references, you know, the, the dialect, you know, everything that they were talking about that is... Uh, that a lot of, I guess, Americans wouldn't necessarily pick up. But there were there was also the use of, like, quick scenes and quick cutting. Think um, Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street, where something ridiculous happens and it cuts to something else very ridiculous. And it seems like it's really trying to top itself every couple minutes. And because of that, the first act of the movie begins to... It kind of feels more like a chore, really, than... Something that I can fully enjoy. Now, if I go back and rewatch the movie, I'm sure I will pick up on many things uh, more so. And I think I would enjoy the movie a whole lot more and give it a higher rating. But you know what? I can't do that. You have to rate the movie based on the first time how you saw it. Uh, but before I do that, though the beginning was confusing... And you don't understand exactly really what's going on, which is, you know, about 15%, 20% the point of the craziness at the beginning. But at the end of the movie, everything makes sense. And it is a great, great lead up to a really, really fine ending. And you know what? The movie is wildly entertaining. However, to me, the biggest downfall of the movie, despite... The chore-like feeling of the first act. There was probably a good ten to fifteen minutes of the movie where it gets a little too ridiculous. It, it might be the denouement, or it's right when you realize what is going on. I just think it's not. It's not the the material. It's how they went about showing the material. Was kind of was was a little bit ridiculous. I, I laughed opposed to probably the other feeling or expression the filmmaker was uh, intending the audience to you know express. However, the movie again super entertaining, very funny, some great dialogue. The char- the acting is absolutely phenomenal. And I know we use fantastic and phenomenal a lot uh when talking about acting but these are great actors and these are great characters all around entertaining cast you know james mcavoy went up you know a few rungs for sure in the acting category because man he's he's really really good it's a shame he's only been around a lot past few years you know in bigger roles than smaller roles Another good thing about the movie, I can again relate this to Martin Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street. If you are the smart movie watcher, if you are a smart audience, you won't necessarily get become offended. You know, you, you won't find this movie necessarily offensive. Yes, he is vulgar. Yes, sexist, and he is all things bad. But at the same time. You know, it is clear that this character, Bruce, James McAvoy's character, is tormented. He's faulty, you know? So there's more behind it. He's he's not being vulgar. He's not being sexist, a, a misogynist pig for the sake of being all those things. There is a reasoning behind it. So hopefully that puts some of you at ease if you are now deciding to watch the movie, especially if you are a female listener, because... Again, this is actually a really good movie, though it is filled with all this vulgarity and all this other things you might frown upon. But again, it's really good. I give this one 3.75 to 4 stars. I will go ahead and lean on 4 stars because I definitely look uh, look back on this movie with fond thoughts.
0: Alrighty, sir. Where would you like to go next? How about start up? Start up. Alrighty. This here is the 2014 drama, I think it's fair to say, that is directed by uh, David McKenzie. And it stars Jack O'Connell and uh, not a whole lot of people that I have heard of before. Now, Jack O'Connell is going to be in the upcoming movie Unbroken, which is the Angel- Angelina Jolie movie of, uh, about the Olympic runner. And he plays an inmate who is put into a prison rather prematurely. It's an ultra violent prison. However, it's also where his father is. Now, his father, he and his father are estranged. Um, he also has a lot of violent tendencies and is having to struggle between prison politics the issue you know the, his father you know daddy issues and trying to decide whether or not there's a life worth living beyond everything that's going in that that's going on around him this is a movie that uh has had damn near universal acclaim as well as audience is enjoying it. And I have to say... I am on the bandwagon. Alright, this is a... um, great, great movie. I think that... the only flaw... the acting is great. Um, Not really a whole lot you can do in terms of the editing and the cinematography because of the subject matter and where everything is taking place. But I think given the confines of the space, they still... Uh, they still gave a lot to play with in terms of framing and setting up shots. The only thing that I really felt that dragged the movie down for me was the length. Now, it's not... it When you go past an hour and a half in a movie anymore, it's not because people don't have... Uh, it, well, I, let me rephrase it. It's because a lot of times people just don't have the attention span. And, and it's really sad. But for me, it's not about attention span. It's about what you're going to do with that extra time. And this movie comes in at an hour and 46 minutes. And I really felt that overall, it was about... And it's sad because it's not much. But it is, it's about 10 minutes too long. I think that there... Where you have a convergence of all these different influences coming in. I think perhaps maybe they were trying too hard to have all these things uh, to create that sense of suffocation. And having your world crashing down and trying to to figure out how is it going to work out. Can it work out? Will it work out? And I think that you're already in a prison setting. And that setting already gives you that claustrophobic feel. And I, and I think that you have to be very careful when you're adding length and you're putting in more story. Um, and I just felt that it wasn't that strong and it felt a little slow by the end. It's still an amazing drama. It's very well acted. Um, props to everybody all around. But I just really felt it kind of drag for the last third of the movie. And I still liked the way it ended. I still enjoyed the movie overall. But definitely what could have been a five-star movie was a four-star movie for me. Uh, And that is is where I stand.
1: (laughs) No, it's actually a very fair uh, statement there. However, though, before I go on... I got to say, I think I'm going to go back to my 3.75 rating for filth. It's weird. I was filled with so much regret the past four minutes for giving it four stars. So I'm going to, I'm retracting the four, giving it 3.75 for filth. But uh, start up, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Out of the three films we watched this past week, this one was my favorite, It's really difficult to uh, explain or review this movie without giving away its fascinating tidbits. You know, what really makes this movie special and interesting? Because, yes, a lot of people will moan and groan and say, oh, another prison movie. Oh, great. We've already seen Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption and, you know, all these other movies. Do we really need another one? And I will say this. You have not seen a prison movie like this one. Very contemporary, very modern day, and I think, in a way, it's very important. And it's very, very, very good. You see a different side than what you had seen before because this one, it's not all about breaking out. No, it's all about dealing with what you have to deal with because all hope is slash and all that good stuff. It's It's a surprisingly entertaining and engaging movie. You know, it's really good. Every good thing that Matt said about it completely agree with the runtime really didn't bother me but what did bother me was the emotional build-up at the end of the movie to me felt rushed and i couldn't help thinking about the bits of opportunities that it missed out on and that is why i give this movie 4.5 out of 5 okay
0: i i I all right. I was honestly expecting a little more of that.
1: <laughs> no, you did fine. I just
0: I was as, when you lead off with "This is my favorite movie," I thought there was.
1: <laughs> so, all right. Well, very good then. Um, well, I think it's because I went into this movie not really other than hearing the about the critical acclaim. I didn't really read up about the movie, sure. and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much more. And
0: oh, ab- absolutely. And and it and again. We're being purposely vague here because it's it's too hard to to well let me rephrase that it's too easy to give very important things away about the movie and this movie is worth watching so that I mean that's why we're trying to be as succinct and vague as possible. Um, all right, last but not least, the drop. Uh, it's a crime drama, uh, twenty fourteen. Uh, this is also one of the last performances uh, from. James Gandolfini also stars Tom Hardy and uh, Numi Rapace, uh, directed by Michael R. Roscomb Now, this is based on a short story. Um, it was The movie is written by the same guy, uh, Dennis Lehane. And this is based on his own short story called Animal Rescue. Now, I am not familiar with the short story. But it seems to me that short stories turned into movies are never really just okay. They are either really, really amazing, a la Shawshank Redemption, or they are just really, really bad, a la... I don't know. Bullet to the head or something. Um. I. This one. I guess kind of breaks the mold. Or maybe is the exception that proves the rule. The story is not anything special. It's a. It's about a bartender. Who. Uh. Basically he. He's in a. Um. It's money laundering. So you're following guys who are doing drops and everything. He comes across...
1: Um,
0: he, he finds himself in the middle of a scenario where his, where his brother's been robbed and now there's money missing. And of course, um, there is no excuse for money missing when it's the underworld. And how is that going to play out? Unfortunately, it's a trope. And while tropes can work well... In short stories and even novels to a a lesser degree, it doesn't always translate well to the screen. And for me, the story was just meh. It's tired. It's been done. It didn't bring anything to the table. It was relying too heavily on the strength of the actors bringing the characters to life. I think that the director did a great job of trying to marry the two ideas as best as he could. And I will say that the acting is top-notch. I know that occasionally uh, James Gandolfini can be hit and miss, but this one was definitely a hit. Tom Hardy, very on point. And Numi Ripes, I mean she's I, I like her. I I haven't really seen anything that I haven't really enjoyed her in I haven't seen her in a whole lot of stuff but what I have seen her in um, is definitely amazing of course she was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo the Swedish ones she was also uh, Prometheus so and again I like Prometheus but it's just the story didn't do it for me and while the acting is amazing, it still fell short of liking it. Uh, Two point seven five for me. Better than okay. Didn't quite like it. Not a terrible movie though.
1: Go ahead, yeah, Tim. and I, bring us home. I kind of. <laughs> oh, sorry.
0: Were you? No, no, bring, I was just. No, that was it. I was about, oh, just okay. about to say, bring us home.
1: <laughs> I thought this movie, like what you said with the previous movie, I thought this one was about ten minutes too long. And this isn't a very long movie. It's like an hour and 40-some-odd minutes or whatever. And, you know, it honestly could have been like an 85-, 90-minute movie, you know, and not including credits. It may be including credits. I don't know. And it just needed... I I don't know. Like, uh, critics have been saying that, people that love the movie, and it has critical acclaim, that it's a nuanced movie. There's no action And there's no suspense for the sake of action in suspense. It's all supposed to happen organically. That's exactly what they said about the most recent Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that came out in 2011. And the first time I watched the movie, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't understand what all the hoopla was about. But when I watched the movie a second time, I got it. I loved it. I immediately watched it a third time, and it became one of my all time favorite movies. And so I don't know if this is the case or not, but I'm giving this one three and a half stars. This is definitely going to be on my list for a second viewing, for sure, because I might have missed something. I don't know, because all the performances are really good. But again, like what Matt said, it's nothing super fresh, and it's nothing that's super duper engaging. I mean, if you're relying on the likableness of the character uh, themselves or himself, you know, that can only really go too far when everything else is kind of stagnant and stale. But again, I might have missed something, so I'll give it another shot later on. But until now, 3.5.
0: Well, there you go. All right. So the movies for next week are going to be Tusk. And it was, I, see, I didn't think you were going to see it this weekend. And so I was going to, I knew if I saw it, I wouldn't be able to not talk about it. So I purposely waited <laughs> to see it. Um, so I guess I'll be seeing that tomorrow. Uh, so the movies for next week are going to be Tusk, The Zero Theorem, and The Equalizer. So that's going to be that. I believe that concludes. All of the segments and brings us to the spiel, does it not, sir? Spiel on. Alrighty. Well, as always, the music you've been listening to has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at reverbnation.com and facebook.com, both slash cries of solace. We, of course, are, as always, the SLS cast, and you can find us at SLScast.com. You can also send us an email to the show, all one word, the show at SLScast.com. You can even follow us on Twitter at the SLS cast you can follow me this is Matt of course on Twitter personally at nitwit12345 you can also follow the yellow brick road and try and find Tim and follow him if you want on Twitter you can also go to Facebook search for us there and even subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio so until next week this is Matt saying that thanks to Eminem I get to say this Dealing with backstabbers, there was one thing I learned. They're
1: only powerful when you've got your back turned. And this is Tim saying that if you're sick and tired of your hand, paradise is just only a costly plane flight to China. Talk to you next week.